If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. And if it's Thursday, mm-hmm, you know it is Dr. P on the pod. And I am Dr. P, Pernessa Seal, the founder and the CEO of The Bomb in Gilead. Do you know that we are celebrating 30 years of The Bomb in Gilead this year? God has truly been a blessing to this organization and has blessed my life to be the founder. I it, it it keeps me up some nights when I'm laying in bed looking at my ceiling just about how good God is to me. And I'm just grateful and thankful to all of the people who he has sent to the bomb in Gilead over all of these 30 years. He has sent some folks um from everywhere, from every hamlet in this country have been a part of the bomb in Gilead as employees. They've come and they've gone. Most of them are still in touch with us. And I just thank God for wherever they are, those who have ever been a part of this team. I just thank God for them and bless them in whatever they may be doing uh, today. And I bless the staff that I have today here in Richmond, Virginia. Who knew 30 years from New York, we would be in Richmond, Virginia, the Commonwealth. (laughs) Oh my God. God has a sense of humor, but we are 30 years strong and God is doing great things here at the bomb in Gilead. And one of the great things he's doing is that we have, we get to talk to each and every one of you every Thursday through this podcast, because you touch yourself. You mm, say me. Yep. You, you are a very important part of this bomb in Gilead. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I thank God for you each and every moment that you take a time to listen to the podcast or go on our website or register for our conference or show up for our events around the country. We thank God for you because without you, there would be no bomb in Gilead. We are excited uh, today. Our guest today is Father Paul Abernathy. Uh, mm, Father Paul Abernathy, he is something special. He is an Orthodox Christian priest, mm-hmm, an Orthodox Christian priest, and he is the, 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 the director of FOCUS, F-O-C-U-S, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is an Orthodox Christian nonprofit focused on trauma-informed community development. His uh, work, uh, his calling is addressing trauma-informed uh, care in our community. And that's a new term for us, trauma-informed care. And it's a, it's a term that everybody's beginning to talk about. And we know about trauma well, you know, um, 
And I am just excited to be talking to Father Abernathy uh, today and just about the great work that he, not only is he doing in Pittsburgh, but the great work he's doing in, in helping pastors around the country to understand that we all must play, every church must play a, a major part of the trauma that's going on in our community because we are traumatized. We are traumatized. It's not only that we're traumatized because of drive-by drive shootings or the number of uh, people who got shot in Pittsburgh or Chicago last night or how many people are living in poverty, living in poverty right here in Richmond, living in poverty right down the street from where you are. Poverty is trauma. How many people, how many women were raped last night by their husbands? How many young girls were raped by their fathers? How many uh, young boys were raped by their fathers? Let's come on. Let's talk some truth here. How many children are being raped by the priests, by the pastors? I mean, this is a mess. This is a mess. Trauma is real in our community. And it goes the gamut. It goes. It's easy to talk about trauma when your child has been shot by the police. It's not as easy to talk about trauma when your husband is molesting your daughter or your son. You know, trauma is trauma. And we have a community that is suffering from generations of trauma. Generations of trauma and we don't talk about it and if we don't talk about it then we don't have interventions that are addressing it and if we don't have interventions that are addressing it it just gets it gets passed on from generation to generation to generation and we now see the devastation of passing it along from poverty to drugs to homicide to incest to rape you name it We've got to talk about it. And that's why, if it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. And we're going to get ready to talk to Father Paul Abernathy, an Orthodox Christian priest out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he's going, he's going to tell us all about focus in trauma-informed community development. Father Abernathy. Dr. Panessa. Yes, 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 yes. You know, um, this trauma-informed community work mm. is so, so, so very critical. And, you know, as you know, you know, your work um, is just known for the, just for the tremendous uh, work that you do the, around the country, helping pastors, helping communities, just first not forget to deal with, but to understand the systemic the systemic conversation and have it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just to right. stand up and just speak truth mm. that this is real for the saints in our community. Yeah, and, and all saints don't look holy. That's right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. all saints, they may be holy, but they may not look That's right. holy, you mm -hmm. know? And I think that, you know, we have come to a place where we, the church is doing so much damage. Yes. Because we have redefined what holy is. That's right. You know, we have defined what holy looks like. Mm -hmm. And if you don't look like or act like what I perceive holy people to be, then I don't have a place for you. And well, unfortunately, right. those people are outnumbering the holy people that we think are holy in Indeed. the church. Indeed, absolutely. You know? So I think 
think that your work <clears throat> is so and so important. And let's just talk about you know what is a trauma informed community, and why churches really must begin to understand you know the 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 systemic trauma and what we must do mm -hmm. to change this paradigm. Right. Well, you know, in the African American community we have a disproportionate experience of trauma. Mm -hmm. All the statistics lead to that. I mean, one statistic is 65% of African Americans have a lifetime exposure to trauma. Mm -hmm. Now, what we do know since that statistic came out is we have a better understanding of what that impact of trauma is on health and well-being. So we think about why people act the way they do, why people behave the way they do, why people even uh, self sabotage. That's even a symptom of some traumatic experience that they have. We have to understand that we're living in communities that are inundated with trauma. It's not like people just experience one bad thing and then they're trying to pull it together, but it is a series of bad things every day. Every day. And if it's not them, it's their neighbor mm -hmm. or their cousin mm -hmm. or their grandmother. And in, in this uh, inundation of trauma has a very severe effect for us uh, as Christians, the church has to be at the forefront of this because in my, uh, what I truly believe is that there is no other place, there is no other institution there's, there, no, that, that, is, that is prepared or more importantly called to be about this work in this way. And I think uh, it is very important to look, to understand the church as, uh, you know, it's good. I mean, obviously, it, 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 we must be about committed to a life of holiness and be and aspire to that. Uh, and of course, there are, there's holiness in the church. There's no question. But what we have to understand is that we, we need to understand the church as a hospital mm -hmm. and, and, and not be so surprised when we find sick people in the hospital. Mm -hmm. We see somebody who comes into the church and they're not in their right mind because of what they've been in. Their health is poor because of, uh, all, because of a host of issues or they have a, a past that's mm -hmm. really uh, repulsive mm -hmm. to us. This, this, this is exactly where they should be because where else will they heal? Where else will they be loved mm -hmm. unconditionally? Where else will, will they experience forgiveness mm -hmm. and that mercy that only God can give? Talk a little bit about your experience in Iraq mm. as a soldier and relating that, coming back home and relating that to the community. When I was in Iraq with the army, um, I realized uh, that war was an incredibly devastating experience to the human person. Um, and I saw a lot of suffering on uh, all sides in the conflict. And I did get a chance to see what that suffering did to uh, humans once they experienced it. Of course, the, the most common um, diagnosis is post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was very interesting to see uh, and, and incidentally, when, when we came home from the war, those who actually were members of churches, I had noticed, just did so much better mm -hmm. than those who had no church family to come home to. Nonetheless, what happened to me when I was uh, overseas was it, it changed my perspective because it was the first time in my life where it was ever presented to me that this kind of experience could affect us at the deepest level of who we are in a way that... Others should understand mm -hmm. why we weren't doing so well. Mm -hmm. And that 
was uh, life changing for me because when I came home, it just became so apparent to my own community that there was so much more trauma that people were experiencing in a lifetime than we experienced. We we spent one year at war, mm-hmm. but we had people in our communities who were essentially spending their entire lives at war, and and nothing nothing was nothing was different. We can't change the effect of trauma in this circumstance and say it doesn't exist in this circumstance. Right. It's much more severe in this regard. That changed everything for me, and if we. If, if we really are saying uh, we have to understand that veterans coming home uh, might be might have this negative impact on health and well-being because of what they've been through, we have to now translate that into our communities that have actually suffered so much more mm-hmm. than than uh, many of our service members. Mm-hmm. Tell me, um, share with me the role of a pastor, a role of a, mm. a church in you know in. Um, in, in a in a rural community that's that's traumatized, or in an urban center is traumatized, mm. in in Somerville, South Carolina, or in Charleston, or in uh, Mobile, Alabama, or in Jackson, Mississippi, or you know, because we we tend to think of yes. trauma as urban, right? You know, trauma mm-hmm. is not localized, not at all. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you know, I I, I we, you know the bomb in Gilead, we are all over. Um, the country, and mm-hmm. it's usually in little small communities in, the, in those little churches that the pastor is just, he, he's talking about it and he's praying about it, but he hasn't been able to move right. to do something about it because, you know, well, you know, I'm just down here in Greeleville, you know, right. I'm just down here in King Street, or mm-hmm. I'm just down here in Meridian, or, you know, it's like, wh- how do we get, what's that, what's that, that click in your experience? that get pastors to understand the what that they can do something about this this is a really important question because i i, I think that it can be uh as pastors far too easy to dismiss people uh, because we say well they you know they just are hard-headed or they don't listen or you know the community doesn't get involved all of these sorts of things i think uh i think what one of the things that can be very helpful to really engage pastors is when actually the message becomes pastoral. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, most pastors have an experience with someone that whenever they hear this information, it makes sense to them in this pastoral context. Mm-hmm. Because whenever they were trying to do their pastoral work, they, if they're honest, they might say, I was really ineffective in that circumstance. That's certainly what happened to me. And I think that if we, if we, really, uh, if we really draw on this desire to be an effective pastor, mm-hmm. we say the only thing that we really are, uh, we, have to, we have to talk about what is preventing us from being an effective pastor, really ministering to mm-hmm. the faithful in the church. Trauma is a is a is a very very serious issue, and I will tell you that uh, the way the way I really learned the way I you know looked at the pastor or or understood the pastor was uh, not only the one who would come you'd you'd come and say would you pray for me or would you come to visit me in the hospital or whatever but also to be that prophetic voice in the community i think what's in to be to be at the you know to be at the forefront of of whatever efforts to organize around the community issues once pastors really understand that when you go out into the community, rural uh, even, uh, it's, there's plenty of trauma in the rural community and, and also in the urban community, of course. But once you go out into your community and talk about trauma, when you see the faces of the people you are called to serve, 
you will know right then and there how relevant your ministry has become in their lives. Mm -hmm. Because every time that I've, that I've gone into these settings, you know, uh, early on there was a question if, if we go into these with the community, with, with, whether it be people who go to my church or people who don't go to my church most of the time, uh, and, we, and we said we're going to talk about this, uh, whenever we see how alive they become, mm -hmm. that then pastors will understand how much more effective they will be as pastors. And the final point I would say is it, it will help pastors understand that a lot of times we say, well, I'm a pastor to this church. So, you know, I'm at, I'm at Ebenezer, I'm at St. Moses, I'm at these, you know, different, but really we are pastors to this community. Community, that's right. And, that's and, right. and, that's, and, and whenever they see the community come alive, mm -hmm. that is the moment then mm -hmm. from the community's perspective, mm -hmm. they will become the community's pastor mm -hmm. because, because otherwise they're just Ebenezer's pastor. And, and I think that's what, that's what has shifted Mm -hmm. in the culture of black folks, black community, and black church. That's right. Because I grew up in a rural community where we had two churches, but we had two pastors for the community. community. Now we have pastors of churches. That's right. Not pastors of community. And, you know, the resources are not going back into the church. They're going back into the community. They're going to build another building that, That's I, right. don't, that I don't believe we need. That's right. You know, we're... we're, 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 we're I just think I'll come in this time, in this time, you know, I'll for so many churches uh, and thank God there are more and more churches who are not not in this vein. But the resources are just being misused, Absolutely. in my opinion, um, because we have such a need. You know, we have such a need. We need to adopt a school. We need to adopt a That's child. Right. We need to adopt schools. Mm -hmm. We need to adopt children. We shouldn't be in, you know, in neighborhoods where the, with dilapidated schools That's right. and, and children who are living in poverty. If you got a thriving church talking about you getting ready to do a building fund. That's right. You know, I mean, something is just wrong mm -hmm. with this picture. So I, I just really support and just, you know, honor your work oh. uh, and... We're going to continue to have this dialogue because I do believe that there are more and more and more and more pastors who want to know and who want to do. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how to connect. Yes. And they're too, uh, they're too afraid and too ashamed to step out yes. and say, I really want to do something. I mm -hmm. just don't know how to Absolutely. do it. And, uh, you know, and that's why there's a bomb. Amen. In Gilead. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today with Father Paul Abernathy. You know, and we just thank God that uh, we thank God for pastors all over this country who are in the trenches um, with our brothers and sisters who are experiencing great uh, trauma in their lives. And I want you to know at the end of this conversation that there is indeed a bomb in Gilead, in the bomb in Gilead, it's more than an organization. It is a healing. It is a healing bomb. It is a healing presence that enfolds you right where you are right now. No matter what you're going through, there is a bomb in Gilead that is present, ever present, right where you are. And we call that presence the presence of the Holy Ghost. We call that presence the presence of Jesus Christ. We call that presence 
Jehovah. We call that presence God Almighty. Wherever you are, you stand in the presence. And if you think you're going to fall, just lean on it. Lean in and lean on that presence that has the power to carry you through. Yes, there is a bomb in Gilead operating in and through you right now. <laughs> well, it's another Thursday and it's Dr. P on the pod. We'll be back next week. We'll have something exciting to tell you about next week. Tune in and share the podcast. Share this podcast with some folks all over. Just send it out. Let folks hear and witness the presence of Father Paul Abernathy. Let them know they need to tune in to Dr. P on the pod. I'll see you next Thursday. (laughs) 